We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, College Edition, brought to you by Fan Clash. I'm John McKechnie, and I'm sitting here with my good buddy and resident college football guru, Mario Puig. Mario, how you doing on this nice little Wednesday we got here in Madison? I'm six, uh, seven days into my 60-day uh, drunk. And I like uh, to think of it as a detox, really. Uh, detox is the other one, I think, where you don't drink and they, they like strap you down to a bed and charge you $400 the next day, um, for the 
the rent, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm, I haven't had that happen yet. It, the odds say that it probably will occur, though, in the next uh, 53 days. Well, you know, uh, I'm pulling for you either way. I think you can go the distance, I believe. I'm trying you. to not accumulate any fines, so let's let's hope I skip that one. All righty. Well, with that, uh, so last weekend was absolutely insane. Uh, you know, everywhere you looked on Saturday, there was something just bonkers going on uh you know starting off from the 11 o'clock window and going all the way uh into the into late into the evening uh just kind of wanted to get off uh starting out with uh i guess the usc game i think that was probably like the biggest or most that was uh, pretty big i mean that was just unbelievable i think we we talked a good bit about how washington really needed to be uh, on their game in order to in order to hold off USC, who had been just red hot coming in, uh, thanks to the player, their freshman quarterback uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, did you watch it? Do you watch enough of that game to really? Uh, I watched get into most it? of it. Yeah, it was uh, Darnold was very impressive, which I think we were, you know, thinking would happen. But I didn't expect him to get them a thirteen point win. Obviously, the USC defense had a lot to do with that too. Mm-hmm. But they they it's. John Ross had a big game, and otherwise the Washington offense didn't do that much, which I just wasn't expecting. Like I, I would have expected if if uh, if if USC did have thirteen point victory, I would have had to have figured it would be like I don't know thirty five to uh, twenty four type thing or yeah, something. Definitely not Washington being held under twenty points. Yeah, so that was the biggest surprise to me, and um, I I don't I didn't watch closely enough to get an idea of whether I had like a theory of who's primarily to blame or if it was just USC's defense really played exceptionally well. But uh, yeah, def- the main thing I went away with was like, wow, Darnold's going to be awesome. Like he's I I think you got to pencil him in for first overall in the. Uh, 2018 draft yeah he's a redshirt freshman so after next year he will be draft eligible and I mean he's just cut from a we were texting during the game and I just feel like he's cut from a completely different cloth than what we see of the USC quarterbacks of their last sort of recent resurgence starting from the early 2000s yeah and you know it's not the system because the guy he's he's following failed in the setting and he's he's just thrived and he just doesn't look inexperienced even though he is Uh, and the tools are all obvious too so yeah i'm very impressed with him yeah he's he's ready to go pretty much right i mean if he was yeah if he was eligible for this one i think you could probably be you could probably put him in the top five yeah it's it's really amazing how how quickly he's he's been able to adapt to the college game and and really just sort of just start dominating it um next up uh this is extremely off-brand for me uh, I got to give some praise to my Georgia Bulldogs. Well, they they heard you on the radio, John, and they were like, "Guys, we can do this." Did you hear what John said? Yeah, I said they have it. They can uh, just make Auburn play an extremely ugly game, and if they're missing their best player, then I think Georgia could win. And uh, that's what that's what happened. Lo and behold, I, I don't think Auburn had a first down in the second half. Uh, Sean White had like Yikes. sixty passing yards or something like that, and that actually might be too many i might be he was too much he was it. playing hurt it sounded like yeah um yeah he got hurt er though during the game oh probably yeah i think playing football hurt usually results in that <laughs> but yeah that was that i wasn't expecting that exactly but uh yeah definitely the way you laid it out happening and the if then logic definitely was pretty much one-to-one to what happened and uh, I think I think yeah, basically the the defense played extremely well. Obviously, the the only touchdown that Georgia scored was on the defensive uh, side of the ball with Maurice Smith. 
the transfer from Alabama making the pick six uh, kind of made the diff all the difference in that game. Um, and then I thought that Jacob Eason, even though the stats weren't particularly gaudy, he, he was starting to make some throws down the sidelines that were really impressive. He made, he connected with uh, Riley Ridley on one of them, Calvin Ridley's younger brother. Um, and he, he made an acrobatic uh, kind of tipping uh, catch in his own right. So that was a really impressive play. And he also hit Isaiah McKenzie deep down the right sideline uh, later in the game. And that was just like a perfectly thrown ball. And with that, I just wanted to transition into, I mean, this has been kind of a hot topic uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, just how how impressive these uh, freshman uh, SEC quarterbacks are. Right. So uh, the list you've got here is uh, highlighted by the, the newest star of the cast, which is Shea Patterson, who I I didn't see that game, but I, just glancing at the numbers, I'm like, oh, my God, this this, this kid went into uh, Kyle Field. Yes. At, was that a night game, too? Yes. Night game at Kyle Field, and uh, they obviously only won by one point, but the numbers were all very good. Uh, one interception to two touchdowns, but big yardage as a uh, runner and passer both, and that's a difficult defense to throw the ball on. So that's really impressive for a, a guy who just had his red shirt burned. And, uh, yeah, he he could do crazy stuff in the Hugh Freeze offense because uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't re- I didn't really believe Ch- Chad Kelly was that great. I think it was uh, a lot of it was the same system that made Bo Wallace put up big numbers, even right. though everybody at a glance was like, this guy's the worst quarterback <laughs> I've ever seen. How is he scoring 38 touchdowns? It's like, well, that's the Hugh Freeze promise. Um, but yeah, Chad Kelly, obviously athletic, can throw the ball pretty far. It seems like Patterson, though, might have like everything in the uh, plus category. Yeah, I uh, I did get a chance to, to watch the, the whole game on replay on Sunday, and uh, I know it, it seems like a lazy comparison or an easy one, but seriously, when he when he when he scrambles, when he rolls out, when he's making plays, it's seriously Johnny Manziel esque. I mean, even like like the way he moves his arms when he's when he's like kind of kind of dead to rights, like at the sideline with someone coming uh, right at him, he, and he's able to spin out of it. He's got the same sort of harried arms going. It's just nuts to watch, <laughs> like how how exactly similar his sort of motions are to Manziel. He made this one unbelievable play. Uh, to kind of get Ole Miss back into the game in the second half. And just uh, to reiterate, I thought his second half was like where, where you really started to see him uh, get get into his comfort level, and that's when he started uh, being able to have a lot of success against the A&M defense. But he made this you know unbelievable just sort of Manziel-esque play that resulted in a very easy touchdown to DeMaurier Stringfellow. And then he also hit Van, uh, freshman Van Jefferson for a touchdown that I think uh, put them ahead uh, late in the game. So, I mean, he, he was just – unbelievably impressive my only knock really is that he wears number 20 hopefully he fixes that next year um but other than that i mean the, the guy's going to be an absolute stud yeah if, if freeze is there he's definitely going to put up huge numbers next year like you can definitely pat yourself on the back if you're in some uh, developmental college league because he's going to be probably one of the top ranked quarterbacks next going into next year absolutely and then obviously Jalen Hurts he's been doing it all year he's been doing it since week one he's been going nuts on the ground in the past like month especially Mm -hmm. he didn't seem to really do it that much earlier in the year but yeah he's putting up huge numbers on the ground right now basically doing kind of like Deshaun Watson late last year yeah kinds of numbers Uh, I don't think he's in that category as a passer like I've I've seen enough of Hurts this year that I think it's safe to say he's not super accurate as a passer, but um, considering his lack of experience, his his overall knack for the game is quite considerable, and 
when he's this lethal as a runner as he as he's been in the past month or so, it's yeah, he's got to be one of the most feared quarterbacks right now. Yeah, I think he has that offense. I think it'd be fair to say that he has that offense humming better than say Jacob Coker did last um, year. I'm mean, just gonna different. He's but. the best quarterback they've had there. I'm pretty sure. Like yeah, who like going back before like Coker and uh, Sims is you got McCarron. McCarron would probably be the best one, but like Hurts showing what he has to this point better like, than like McElroy. Oh yeah, McElroy didn't do it. John David Parker or whatever. Parker Wilson Booty. Or, yeah. man. <laughs> Those guys suck. Hurts uh, <laughs> is really good, though. He's going to be way better than all of them. Yes, and then already touched on Eason, and then uh, South Carolina actually yeah. may, maybe have stumbled onto uh, their future at quarterback. And if you looked at his box score against Florida, you're, you're not going to uh, be particularly blown away, but it's tough as a freshman to go down to the swamp and really have a ton of success. Even if Florida is as banged up as they are, I think South Carolina is pretty bereft of talent around Bentley, although they do have some pretty nice receivers. But main point here is that Bentley looks like he's going to be like their best quarterback that we've seen in a while. I mean, better better than like a Connor Shaw. He's, he's got a different game than Shaw. He's more of like a polished just passer. He doesn't right. run around as much, uh, but obviously better than like a Steven Garcia type. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, that, that's man. not hard to do. Steven but. Garcia versus Steve uh, Spurrier was just the best thing in college <laughs> football history. He showed up to a leadership conference just lit just so so drunk it, yeah that that rules uh in the in the context of spurrier just like every press conference being like ah, he's, well he's crap well no good <laughs> uh, i don't like him <laughs> he's like he's our starter but i don't like him uh it's not, it's not good football but yeah bentley's uh let's see he's not 19 yet so that's uh that, that almost seems like you know irresponsible putting someone that young out in the middle of the sec right. um it's like kind of some form of bad some form of battery i think well that, that's a must champ thing so it's not really that surprising yeah so uh yeah he's done a very good job and i don't expect that team to really allow him to put up big fantasy numbers at any point in his career unless they get rid of must champ and bring in somebody who's uh, ever overseen a team that scored points right but he should be a very good pro prospect based on his current trajectory and uh they got next year they should have debo samuel and brian edwards who are pretty good uh, so he should be efficient, but yeah, it's, so his first four games, uh, 835 yards, that's about two-thirds of his passes completed, 7.8 per pass, six touchdowns, one interception. Here you go. Uh, that's pretty impressive for an 18-year-old. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's being kind of thrown into the mix. Uh, you know, I think that South Carolina was going to try to kind of limp by this year with the Perry Orth, right. Brandon McIlwain type of thing. Clearly that wasn't working. Uh, they, they've been able to kind of, yeah, find this uh, fountain of youth with uh, – uh, Rico Dowdle, uh, the running back who's a freshman, uh, Brian Edwards, like you mentioned, uh, and Debo Samuels is just a true sophomore, I believe. So a, yeah. a lot of like uh, pr- promising stuff for next year. They'll, they'll obviously need to edify the offensive line. Hopefully, they got have a, a better system in place. Oh, sorry, they got the tight end Hayden Hurst, oh, who yeah. is actually like 24 or something, but he's only a sophomore, so maybe he'll be back next year. Very BYU of him. He was a, a baseball prospect, I think. Oh, that's right. Um, so that, that was the main stuff that impressed us this week. And then obviously there were disappointments all across the top 10. Otherwise, I mean, we kind of... Everyone I, but Alabama is bad. Yeah, I think we we, we buried A&M properly last week. And I think Shea Patterson, uh, you know, made sure that, that, that like cement was poured on the grave to make sure there's no uh, resurrection from there. But we got Clemson with the huge disappointing loss to Pitt. 
I mean, how do you even justify that if you're Clemson? I mean, you're at home. You're playing against a team that, like, occasionally gives good teams a run for their money. But, I mean, Clemson was would, like, repeatedly get up by a score or so and then just immediately allow Pitt to just come right back to it. And Pitt doesn't have, like, a particularly explosive offense. I think Peterman no. threw – did he throw five touchdowns? Yeah, he threw for 308 oh yards, five touchdowns, which uh, before that game they had allowed five passing touchdowns all year. Um, even after that, they're still only allowing 5.8 yards per pass. So that's uh, not that I can you know blame it on Dabo without knowing what's going on behind the scenes there, but that's usually not a good look for a coach to have like that clear of a talent advantage or at home. Uh, there's still quite a lot in the line. And they were gifted three points too at the end of the first half. Uh, yeah, and how 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 lucky is uh, Chris Blewett that he didn't miss that that last one because that would have been like a, that would have been like a t shirt or like something. Twitter was already insufferable when he made it because the headlines of oh he, he, he didn't, didn't blow it he didn't blew it but <laughs> it doesn't conjugate right but isn't it funny yeah here we go I'm doing my best Darren Ravel but yeah I mean it, God it would have just been a Twitter apocalypse had had blew it blown it there the new Harambe yeah. yep just completely killed in one day unjustly um, and then Michigan uh, they lost I don't they get got, it. well they actually I do because Akram we already said Akram Wadley can kill yeah like anything he's a, he's a he dragon took down the Michigan defense and and I think Kirk Ferentz kind of came to his senses after doing like a mini science experiment of using him as a receiver primarily it was like one of those uh montage scenes where like they're looking at the code and it's like all starting to come together and after like <laughs> three years Ferentz is like wait a second Wadley's on the bench like oh, oh no like, wait <laughs> give him the ball actually and then uh yeah five yards a carry on 23 carries against michigan yeah i mean like, nobody nobody that. does that yeah so that was that was insanity but uh no i mean i wanted to say no excuse when when the game was going on for michigan to not be able to move the ball on on iowa's defense but then it kind of comes out after the game that spite might have a broken collarbone uh harbaugh has since sort of denied that but it's bad because yeah, it's um, John O'Corn is not good, even though that system definitely will make most quarterbacks look good. It could still be a pretty big downgrade, and if it carries into the Big Ten championship game, that could matter quite a lot. If they get there, because, I mean, they're going to have to beat Ohio State on oh, the road yeah, to get yeah, there. Yeah, so, so, I mean, we might mind, see, like, yeah. Penn State just, like, get catapulted to Indianapolis somehow, which is... Wait, which what? Is, then it would I'm be, sure. like, Penn State, Wisconsin? Yeah. Even if, even if Ohio... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Seriously. Oh, my God. That's... <laughs> Yeah, we're That's, having a dramatic uh, realization in here right now. This is an inversion of reality. <laughs> All right. uh, but yeah, otherwise, I, sh- I guess I should mention, uh, not I, I don't want to slander LJ Scott. He also ran well against Michigan. That's true. Those two guys. He had like 75 of his yards in, uh, against Michigan on like that first drive where like, right, yeah. we were just sitting in the office like, what what's going on here? Like Michigan State just like, pounded the ball all the way down the field, scored a touchdown on the opening drive against Michigan, and then proceeded to lose uh, handily. Uh, but they did, they still covered the spread that game, actually, if I remember correctly. So That's all that matters. Good on them. But without further ado, we're going to move on to this week's slate of games. Uh, we had a little bit of action last night. We get some more of it here tonight. Uh, we got Ball State going to Toledo. Toledo, 20.5-point favorites. Um Ball State in an over-under of 67.5. Um, Ball State has one of the worst secondaries in all of the MAC, and 
uh, with that. Uh, just a not, uh, just a bad secondary as, as far as the national landscape is concerned. So you think that Toledo should be able to just put up points at will tonight, I would imagine. Yeah, 20 and a half is quite a lot, but uh, Ball State's quarterback is really bad, whichever one they're starting these days. I know it was Riley Neal to start the year, and then uh, Jack Miles showed back up. They're both really bad. Uh, their running back James Gilbert is pretty good but he's going to have a big enough deficit in that game that I'm not sure they'll really be able to you know make him affect the outcome that much so yeah I'm still expecting Cody Thompson to have a huge game he's gone like four games without a touchdown and that seems highly overdue for uh, as far as streaks that should be broken uh yeah Woodside's locked in for a big game I mean, he, he's scoring or he's throwing at least three touchdowns in every single game and this last year. week was a bad game for him yeah. he was way off I saw most of that game he did not look right like they just seemed rattled for most of the time against Northern Illinois that was a very strange game yeah played at, played at the uh venerable guaranteed loan or guaranteed rate stadium in Chicago Wow, yeah, the great that, that is inspiring. Uh, but yeah, he's I think going to revert to type and just tear Ball State to little tiny pieces. Today. Yeah, I think they're getting ready. Do they do they have Western Michigan to round out this season? Oh, uh, hmm. if they do, I might take Ball State to cover. Um, I, they do. They are at Western Michigan uh, next week on November twenty fifth. All right, let's let's have Ball State cover just because uh, Toledo gets like a little. Just starts a little, little snoozy. Yeah, little looking forward to next week after the second quarter. Yeah, that, I could definitely see see that hat like the back door being wide open for like the entire second half for Ball State to just kind of you know sneak in there and make it pseudo close. I mean, like maybe lose by seventeen or something. Yeah. Um, then we got uh, Northern Illinois at Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan has been you know they've kind of gotten off the mat this year and they haven't been nearly as bad as they were last year. Uh, and I noticed that uh, Kenny Galladay, is he your number one receiver this week? Yeah, that's because I, I'm not that psyched about a lot of the receivers this week as I normally would. Like, um, we don't have uh, Taewon or, uh, or Carlos Henderson or right. Taylor. Yeah, and like, and uh, Chad Hansen's going against Stanford and Corey Davis. It's like, he should kill, uh, I can't even remember who they're. Buffalo. Buff, yeah, so but it's like the same thing as last week. Like Zach Terrell might only throw twelve passes in that game. Right. I still have him ranked second at receiver, I think. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a bit of a thinned field this week. Okay, but you still envision him having, you know, obviously he's still atop the rankings. So right, and with, uh, I mean, he ran a bit last week, but Ryan Graham had to step in for Anthony Maddie, and Maddie is a much much better runner than. Uh, Graham, who I don't really expect to do much running today, not successfully anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think then I have to suspect some of that uh, yards from scrimmage is going to get transferred to either Buanyo or Galladay. And uh, I don't really think Buanyo is that good. I think Eastern Michigan is pretty competent. I don't think they'll let Northern Illinois run easily. So I think eventually they'll just uh, have to start chucking it to Galladay. And I, I'm surprised that Northern Illinois is favored. I would take Eastern Michigan to win this. I think that's a good call. I think I think Eastern Michigan should be able to pull this one off. Uh, I think, you know, outside of Galladay, Northern Illinois has a lot of problems, and I don't think either of us are particularly uh, high on Graham uh, as a quarterback. Um, right. He did, to be fair, do much better uh, last week than he did, I think, in any game last year. Yeah, we were we were especially not fans of his last year, but I, I guess he was a little bit better uh, last week. Um, Thursday, we actually have a, a – 
you know, relatively important game going on here. We got Louisville going down to Houston. Louisville, 14-point favorites, uh, 69-point uh, over-under uh, at Houston. Houston's been sort of like the like the dragon slayers of, of like the group of five, you know, having beaten Florida State in the bowl game last year, having uh, opened the year with with a complete waxing of Oklahoma. They also beat Louisville last year. That's right. And uh, I think that was like a week two or something. Um, yeah. But Houston, the problem is here, they've lost a few games, so the, the luster's a little bit gone from them, although it's not like they're not going to get up for this game. But Greg Ward... He fell on his shoulder again last week at the end of the first half, missed several series uh, in the in the third quarter. The only reason he really came back in was because Kyle Postma uh, broke his forearm, so he kind of just had to because I don't Jeez. think they had another quarterback ready. So, I mean, That's I don't – That's not good. And it's a short week, you know, and he, I'll he's – I'll take Louisville to cover that. Yeah, I think end of story, uh, yes. And then did have you – I guess we didn't prep for this, but have you heard about this whole Louisville-Wake Forest accusation yet? Uh, they were accusing Louisville of hurting somebody or something? Uh, of, of, uh, of hacking into their game plan because they, oh, yes. they, they, after the game, they found on Louisville's sideline or in their locker room, a bunch of Wake Forest plays that had only been run in practice and had never been run in a game before. Um, on and the then, one hand, I'm like, that seems a little paranoid. On the other, I'm like, Petrino, Petrino. is not a man of high character. I just don't know why you would do that because if they were doing it to Wake Forest, it means they were definitely doing it to like better teams that yeah, they Clemson played. And... Um, but uh, I don't know; it doesn't seem super likely to me. We'll see, we'll see how this plays out, but I just think it, it it adds a bit of odor to this to this Louisville team until they can prove that it, incontrovertibly that it that they weren't pulling any funny business. Yeah, uh, I, I mean. I, I guess I would still put like hacking another team's playbook on a lower uh, scale of offense than uh, crashing a motorcycle with your mistress and uh, wearing one of those like dog surgery things to a press <laughs> conference later. Wait, was that? Did he have that on or something? Or did he have a brace? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it was basically probably a brace. Was a cone, like I'm going re- to revise history that they like were like we're going to have to put this on because he won't stop scratching your face and. Uh, behave <laughs> oh my god uh, anyway uh yeah that that would be kind of crappy of them i'm I'm surprised they would even think they needed to yeah, i'm surprised if like if, even if they were doing something like that i'm surprised they weren't just too arrogant to even think they needed to against wake forest seriously though um so it's kind of weird but i think both of us bottom line back to the main point here i think we both like louisville to, to cover against houston even if it is on the road they've been bad for like five weeks yeah they, they just haven't looked right uh it's it stinks because we were so no running on game them. and ward's got a bad shoulder so yep. how does that work enough said um let's see and then we got sunbelt game here uh troy uh now, like the favorites to win the Sun Belt, I think they're ranked in either the AP or the coaches' poll now. I don't know if they can lose the Sun Belt at this point. All right, um, but yeah, because yeah, they beat App State last week in an, in an excellent Sun Belt game. Yeah, um, uh, eight point favorites against Arkansas State. I think they smash them. I'm, I, yeah, I don't know how that uh, that spread. That's like a spread that I would expect if Freddie Knighton still played for Arkansas State, which he doesn't. So. Uh, Arkansas State's pass defense is pretty good, but Troy mostly establishes itself on the run, and I don't know what reason there is to think that uh, Arkansas State can slow Jordan Chun. And then, you know, the second point, Troy's defense is really good. Justice Hansen has shown some signs of life as a quarterback, but he still doesn't provide that running 
aspect that you know allows that scheme to function fully. Uh, and we still aren't even sure if he can throw the ball because he's only done it against bad defenses. So I, yeah, I agree. I think I think Troy takes this by like two touchdowns. And I think it's worth noting that uh, Larry Rose of New Mexico State um, hadn't been off to a great start to the year this year, and he was able to gash Arkansas State on the ground last week. And I think Jordan Chun. Uh, I I don't know if his best is better than like Larry Rose's best from last year, but he's certainly the better running back right now, and I think he's gonna just absolutely have a day uh, on Arkansas State. I mean, Larry Larry had the bad start because of a sports hernia yeah. thing, but I I actually think Larry Rose is really awesome when he's healthy. But I I, I mean, Chun is also good, and Arkansas runs Arkansas State's run defense isn't it's like middling. So as yeah. far as uh, Sun Belt's concerned, I can just see this also just being easily a scenario where Hansen melts down because they don't have to play his run threat and without that uh he can't throw in a good defense yeah and their their lead back is is five foot five and Troy uh Troy is the best run defense in the conference so they they're just going to shut that down make Hansen throw and that's just an issue so I think Troy rolls there um Friday we got Memphis seven and a half point favorites on the road at Cincinnati Cincinnati I guess they're just I think they're just kind of punting on their quarterback situation. Tuberville's just like, oh, we'll figure it out on Saturday. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. No. I don't think anybody really cares at this I point. I, I've, I'm done uh, having to feel things about Gunnar Keeler, Hayden Moore. So I think I think Memphis should be able to go up to Cincinnati, even though Cincinnati can be a little bit weird uh, when they have their home games at night. I still think that Memphis is a solid enough team all around to be able to to beat uh, Cincinnati. Do you think they cover the seven and a half? Uh, I would stay away from the spread because that that seems like a low over under for a team that <clears throat> excuse me has as high of a tempo as both of them do. Uh, it makes me expect something really sloppy, and if there's turnovers, who knows what's going to happen. But Memphis should win, but I yeah. I think this could be a pretty ugly game. Okay, maybe like a six point win or something. Yeah. Um, Let's see, and then we got uh, Boise State, 28.5-point favorites, hosting UNLV. Uh, UNLV just lost the receiver that pretty much had like three times as many catches as anyone else on the team, uh, Devontae Boyd. He, he played with a broken arm in last week's uh, crazy win over Wyoming. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. So he was able to Completely play with the, with, the, with the fractured left forearm, still did it. Um, but now he's obviously kind of done for the season. So, with that, Boise UNLV covers. sunk on offense. Yeah. Boise should cover. Um, That'll be gross. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't watch that game. Go do something else with your Friday night, basically, is what I'm trying to say here. But before we move on to the Saturday slate of games, uh, we have another message from our friends over at Fan Clash. If you love to play fantasy football and think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it, we have a website for you. Put the fa- that fantasy knowledge to the test on Fan Clash Trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. Cash prizes go to the top 100 scores, and the top five also win free six-month Rotowire subscriptions. Go to fanclash.com slash rotowire to sign up now. I know we just had a couple of uh, expert contests with, with Kevin Payne last week and Jeff Erickson. Heard those went really great, so I definitely recommend you guys uh, going out and checking that out on Fan Clash. Uh, so moving on to Saturday here, uh, we have some smaller games of interest. I was almost able to pull off getting every group of five conference into this, but Conference USA is kind of missing its headliners with Western Kentucky and Louisiana Tech, uh, both on buys. But we do have some Sun Belt. We got some Mac. We got some 
Mountain West, and we got some AAC here. So let's get into it. We got Georgia Southern, two-and-a-half-point favorites at Georgia State. Georgia State, I think, just fired their coach, and Oops. I think Georgia Southern might want to consider the same. Uh, this Already. Is, this may be the bleakest game that I can recall glancing at this year. I I don't know. I guess I take Southern because they have a couple guys who can run the ball, but they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they, they really don't, but, uh, you know, I, I think that these two teams kind of view this as a rivalry just because they're both Georgia schools. and Georgia uh, S that are bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I think, you know, Georgia State has, like, a competent secondary, but, you know, that doesn't matter against Georgia Southern because they're just going to run it. And Georgia State also has a really bad run defense. So I think that this could be – this sets up really, really poorly for Georgia State. I think they're, they're going to lose this one by more than two and a half points. Um, we got Buffalo at Western Michigan. Uh, our good friend in the office, Mike G., uh, he's going to be at the game. I know College Game Day is going to be there this weekend. I think that's sort of telling as <laughs> College to... Game Day is at that game. Yeah, sorry, everybody. Um, what? But it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be cool. Uh, Western Michigan, thirty-four point favorites. I mean, uh, this is their last week uh, before that that big Toledo showdown um, to just sort of tune up. Uh, do you think? Do you use that same kind of logic that we used earlier, where they, they might look ahead because they're playing such an inferior opponent? It's a risk, but I don't think it's as much of a risk given the opponent. Buffalo can't throw the ball at all. Uh, Jordan Johnson is a good running back, but Western Michigan's defense is good. If they sell out on the run, I think they can stop him without losing anything in their pass defense. And PJ Fleck is gone, so I think they're going to. I, mean, I think they're going to finish really strong. I don't. I don't think they slip up at any point. Yeah, they're they're gonna they're gonna take care of business and in, in my opinion as well uh 34 points is massive but um, i'll take western michigan to cover I think. let's go yeah i mean this could be like a 42 to nothing kind of game well there's over under 60 so it's like we're, it looks like vegas is thinking like what like uh 49 to 14 or something yeah 49 to 13 that makes sense 47 i don't know <laughs> either way western michigan rolls um then in the mountain west we got Wyoming playing host to San Diego State. Wyoming kind of coming off a weird game where, like we mentioned, uh, they gave up like 59 or 62 points. Or, no, I think it was 60, like 64 or something. Yeah, so like into 64, the 64, 67 or something stupid. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that just happened. Uh, they're playing at home against San Diego State. San Diego State's you know got its eyes on, uh, on bigger things right now. But Wyoming, obviously a tough test. That's where Boise State slipped up earlier this year. Um, how do you see this one shaking out? It seems like San Diego State's defense is better than Boise's, and I think the way you beat Wyoming is if you can uh, basically afford to double-team Tanner Gentry at receiver while also slowing Brian Hill enough, mm -hmm. um, and that's proved difficult, especially because their tight end, Jacob Hollister, has broken out in the last three weeks, and he wasn't really doing much earlier this year, so maybe if he keeps going, uh, they can move the ball in San Diego State too. But uh, for me, this is an easy San Diego State covers because uh after you play as much as they as wyoming did against unlv last yeah. week and uh that that it's that's just like such a disorienting outcome it's like how did you give up that many points in the first place to unlv like they uh anyway so i i think they'll be pretty exhausted san diego state is humming right now especially their backfield i mean everybody knows about pumphrey but this guy rashad penny looks really really scary too like oh, he's a, he's like a bigger back he's like listed at 220 but he's He's for two years now put up huge numbers as a kick returner and r running back both. So it uh, looks like Pumphrey and Penny both get work in this one, and I I just don't see 
Wyoming being able to run that long with them. I think also it's important to note, just kind of to your point about uh, San Diego State and their their defense, especially um, they've they haven't given up a hundred yards on a, on the ground to a team uh, since October eighth. So that's one, two, three, four, five games in a row. Four touchdowns on the ground on three hundred and nine carries, two point eight per carry. Yeah, I could I could see this one being. So Brian Hill bench him. I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, pretty close. If I think he gets like 80 yards in a touchdown, but on like 29 carries or something. Yeah, it's going to take him a while to get there. Um, so that that's unfortunate if you have Brian Hill and you're in the playoffs. Um, all right, so basically bottom line, I think we both see San Diego State taking care of business here yeah. by over 10 points. Uh, then we got uh, Navy, uh, seven-point favorites at East Carolina, uh, over under 66.5. Uh, what's the Zay Jones update? Uh, I think he needs 15 catches. Uh, hang on a second. Um, this is this is admittedly closer than I thought it would be because I, I kind of expected him to get closer to, like, 30 catches the last two weeks. Yeah, he's but only he got, got 25. 25. Um, so, yeah, he actually needs 17 catches to break the record, albeit in one less game. So he's he's going to break the record if uh, – let me see what they're 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 not going to be bowl eligible though are they? Uh oh. So yeah, he's got to he's got to get it in the regular season here. Um, yeah, they only have three wins. They were making some kind of like comical attempts to just force the ball to him in garbage time last week. So I still have faith. But yeah, yeah. he needs 17 catches. Uh, he's at 139, 155 is the record. Okay, so do do we think he gets it? Do you think he gets gets it here? Just uh, with, with, with that sort of de- this, desperation efforts? Not this week. I think he gets it against Temple ne- in next week. Okay. But yeah, he's. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and assume. Yeah. Oh, I got to make second. My bad. I had Corey Davis at four, Austin Carr at three this week. Gotcha. So yeah, Zay, Zay is automatic. Definitely, you're starting Zay. Oh yeah, no question. Um, so I think I think both of us are of the opinion probably that Navy is able to win this game. Uh, do you think they cover that seven points? Um. Uh, I'll say no. Okay. Uh, just because it's at East Carolina, and I think Na- Navy. I, I don't know how much they're built for this schedule that they have in the AAC, but they've been getting a lot of these up-tempo teams that are uh, running their defensive play count up. Like they've gone against Tulsa, South Florida, Memphis, Houston. Uh, they didn't get SMU yet. That's next week for them. But, yeah, they've they've been running a lot of plays. They beat Tulsa by two. I think the spread on that one was like one was and like a half tu- the other way. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take Eastern Carolina to cover but not win. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, moving on to some rapid-fire picks. Um, we, we uh, you know, as kind of evidenced by Western Michigan having uh, game day this week, uh, there are a lot of lot of really lousy matchups across the board here. So, I mean, this is pretty much what we could scrape together as far as games of moderate uh, intrigue. Uh, this is a great start. Um, Kansas State, two-point favorites at Baylor, over under 59. Baylor obviously has been, you know, in a free fall. And then Seth Russell's gruesome injury last week was, was just awful to watch. I mean, say what you will about Baylor, but, I mean, Seth Russell seems like a pretty solid guy. So see that happen, really a bummer. It looks like uh, – uh, Baylor's running back situation is also pretty wonky. I think well, Jermichael Hasty will be able to play. We're not sure about Terrence Williams, though. Right, but they do get Shock Linwood back to okay. push the coaches, and yes. that's good. Uh, yeah, 
two points spread for Kansas State. This is weird. I don't even know if we can know what kind of offense to expect from Baylor. Like, are they going to go back to Lynx Hawthorne or something like that? I think they got the, that Zach Smith fellow coming in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just I didn't know if oh, they were sure. like, <laughs> going into that bowl game against North Carolina last year. It was like, Chris Johnson's the quarterback. And then it's like, nope, wishbone with Lynx Hawthorne all game. Let's go. And um, so then yeah, they just anyway. destroyed um, – well, uh, Tar Heels. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Um Larry Fedora Chizik. definitely got behind the chains in that one. But yeah. I think, yeah, you, I gotta go with Kansas State because Baylor's in and very high quit watch. Yes. That that really seems to to be the case there. I think even at home, uh this team is just is I like Ertz broken a bit right in now. This one in season okay. long if you need a quarterback. Ertz makes some sense, I think. I think so too, actually. Um then we got Ohio State. Uh, looking to kind of avenge last year's loss that sort of kept them out of the playoff. Uh, going to East Lansing to face Michigan State. Uh, they're 21.5-point favorites. Michigan State uh, woke up last week, but anyone can wake up against Rutgers. That's just sort of what you do against them. Ohio State just dropped 62 points on Maryland on the road. I think they had just scored 62 points the previous week or something like that. So that offense is humming. Curtis Samuel is just like a just a terrifying uh, person with a ball in his hands right now. JT Barrett seems to be clicking. I think that this this adds up probably even if Michigan State tries to kind of drag them down in the mud. I think Ohio State uh, blows them out pretty fa- pretty easily. You think they get 22 points on them? I do honestly. I'll I'll have to go with Michigan State to cover just because I don't know it feels. Feels weird. Um, there have been a, a lot worse teams that have put up a lot more points on this Michigan State team, and I know that they're, Michigan State's definitely getting up for this game, but, I mean, uh, Northwestern I I put up 54 points on them at home. Uh, fair enough. I, I guess I can. I just feel like L.J. Scott might be good enough to kind of, like, give them enough first downs that they keep it to 21. But okay. I don't know. I'm not psyched about picking on that game at all, but I, I would go Michigan State if I were forced to. Okay, fair enough. Um, agree to gr- disagree there. Uh, here's a line that I thought was kind of interesting. Miami, only three-point favorites at North Carolina State. Okay, so... I haven't followed – I haven't seen much of Miami this year. They seem to have been quite up and down, but they're back on an up right now. Yep. Uh, beat the crap out of Pittsburgh after getting embarrassed for a month straight. Seems like Kaya's doing pretty well. Uh, Walton's been good all year. Coley and Richards are good at receiver. Yep. I don't know about their defense, though. The numbers look good, and I guess I guess their defense must be pretty good because they've played a tough tough enough schedule in yes. the ACC. You have a big sample um, now. I'll take Miami, I guess, just because I'm not convinced North Carolina State has any talent aside from Matt Days and Jalen Samuels. And uh, I've yeah. been waiting on Naheem Himes to like blow up all year, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the issue is there, but I, I basically just feel like Miami's got to be so much faster than these guys. Yeah, I think. I think bottom line, that's that's a huge issue. I think uh, Miami's tight end, um, David Jano- is it just like Noku or Joku? Joku. N J O K U. I'm so sorry if you're listening to this, but yeah, we think you're pretty good though, and uh, I think that he's a matchup nightmare. Uh, you know, they they were talking about that. Uh, on Twitter today, how like he, you know, if you put a linebacker on him, he's just going to burn him. He and apparently he, runs like a four or five flat or something like that. Yeah, he he's a specimen. Uh, he he looks awesome. So I think that he's going to be a matchup nightmare for NC State. And Eamon Richards has been one of the one of the, quietly one of the best true freshman receivers in the country so far.
far this year. He leads the team in receiving. Uh, so he's been really impressive. Uh, Kaya, obviously one of the more seasoned starting quarterbacks that there is, so you're not worried about him going on the road. Uh, yeah, I think Miami should be able to take this. Uh, I'm surprised that it's only three points. I would have, I would have guessed it was closer to like six and a half or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely take Miami on that one to cover. All right, cool. And then we got Pitt going to Duke. Uh, Pitt, eight-point favorites on the road. We saw what happened last week when you're a big favorite on the road against Duke. Uh, North Carolina just totally laid an egg. Yeah, I, I would take Duke to cover. I, I guess I like Pitt's chances of winning enough, if only because it kind of feels like Duke might have used a bunch of special tricks last week. Fair. But basically, they're they're a bit vulnerable on the ground. Connor should be able to get going. And uh, D- But, yeah, Duke's defense didn't even play that much last week. They played like 60 snaps. Um, which is quite low. That means they just controlled the ball the whole game, basically. So uh, they should be like not worn out, and therefore, yeah. Like, and they've had a lo- they'll have had a long week at Pitt, that point. It, yeah, Pitt would be the team more worn out if anything going into a track meet with Clemson. So exactly, uh, I think Pete, I think Pitt does win, but it, only by like three or four. Yeah. So I like I like Duke to cover this one as well. Not not to win, but to cover. Um, we got Northwestern. Only one-point favorites at Minnesota. I'm a little bit surprised by this myself as well. So you, you basically expect Northwestern's run defense to contain Smith? I think what the, I think if they take a page from like, like Nebraska's blueprint last week and basically – and it's something that should, be, should have been done all season long when you're going against Minnesota, which is just make Mitch Leidner throw the ball. Yeah. Uh, they, they were able, Nebraska was able to hold Rodney Smith to like 50 some odd yards. That, that just doesn't happen. Shannon Brooks was averaging like 1.8 yards a carry in his first game back from a, some sort of injury. They won't say what it was, but, uh, either way, if you shut down Minnesota's rushing attack, then they're just completely dead in the water. I think Northwestern, uh, should be able to do that at least enough to where if Leidner has to go throw it more than like 25 times and Minnesota's just in deep trouble and I think Northwestern uh, should be able to move the ball I mean they they have a kind of a balanced attack they don't have a ton of talent outside of Carr and Jackson but those two you know I mean they they present good run and pass threats right and um, in in Northwestern's case they do have that constant of Austin Carr like he has had a huge game against like every single Ohio State included yeah so no one can stop him it seems um if if anyone can it can be my assertion that he can't be stopped but I'll say it again anyway he can't be stopped and Minnesota has you know a strength but it can be neutralized if if you're willing to dare Leidner to throw which I would always be willing to do with with Northwestern and Carr you don't have any option of that kind there's no way to scheme against them so yeah I think they win if only because they've they've got that constant source of yardage Yep, so I think we're both in on Northwestern here. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, it's it's the big game. It's Stanford uh, at Cal. Um, Stanford, 10.5-point favorites. Uh, it's kind of weird to imagine them beating anybody with, with Cal's caliber of offense by that much. I kind of think they're going to beat up Cal more than that, okay. just because um, Davis Webb, yeah, he's got huge volume numbers this year, but... Sanford is the best defense that he's faced aside from Washington, and he just laid down against Washington. Right. And I, I just don't think that Stanford will let them run many plays. Uh, maybe they maybe they don't cover 10.5, but if they don't, I think it's because they just don't aspire to score that many points because they, they only let opponents run about 65 plays a game. Uh, on average, I think Cal can get it up to 75, but they're – their current uh, per game averages are dependent on an 85 play pace. So 
I, I don't think and the problem specifically with that is Cal's run defense is really bad, which right. means that Stanford should be able to just you know McCaffrey's sit on the ball eat. after every first down, just like get a touchdown lead and then just put the chokehold on. Yeah, I think I think so too, and I think it's also worth noting. Obviously, that Cal's going to be able to to do better than than what uh, Stanford has been giving up since the beginning of October, but they they've only been allowing 195. Uh, and a half passing yards per game since the start of October. So that's six games against Pac-12 competition. That, that's you know that's pretty stifling stuff there. And uh, they they've picked off nine passes while allowing nine uh, passing touchdowns. So that secondary is really starting to uh, gel and look like a very uh, intimidating unit. So that that's encouraging for Stanford's uh, cause next year. But I think that that'll be enough to to at least uh, force. Uh, some turnovers off of Davis Webb. So I think Stanford does get the win here on the road. Um, still not convinced that, that Cal just doesn't uh, have right. enough volume to where they can hold, hold it within 10 and a half. I mean, it might take like a, a last second touchdown yeah, from yeah. them to do it. But I think that Cal, I think Cal, I would like them to cover this one. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. And, and garbage time might be pretty lengthy if, if Stanford would be totally willing to just go, you know, soft if they're up 21 points going into the fourth or something. Right. I, I could def- definitely see that being the case here. Um, we got Arizona State at Washington. Uh, Washington, obviously, coming off a pretty uh, ego-bruising loss. I mean, not, not that you should be ashamed that you lost to USC, but, you know, when you're riding high, when you move into the playoff rankings and then you you're come out and lay an egg on, on national TV. Uh, yeah, they were at home, too, right? They were. So. Um, this one's also at home. Uh, 27 points is a lot, but I bet they do it. Arizona yeah, I think State, they're going to be angry. Yeah, Arizona State, I mean, Kalen Ballage is the only player they have that's doing anything. Mm-hmm. Manny Wilkins, I don't even know what his health is. I don't care. He's not much of a passer, and you're not going to run against this this Washington defense from the quarterback spot. Right. Um, not, not if you can't throw better than that anyway. So yeah, I, I think they get buried. John Ross, I actually have ranked ahead of Chad Hansen this week because there you go. He's, he might only get like eight targets, but it's going to be for like 140 yards and two or three touchdowns. Like Browning's got to have over under of three and a half pass touchdowns in this one. Uh, oh, yeah. Like Pettis a lot too, obviously. Yeah. So Arizona State, I mean, they're they're just in in a free fall this season. Uh, I think Washington is is you know going to want to mop the floor with them. Uh, heading into next week's game, uh, the Apple Cup against Washington State. I'm pumped for that one. Um, then we got uh, a lot of Pac-12 here. Uh, we got USC 10.5-point favorites at UCLA. I mean, barring like some sort of mystic letdown from USC, I think that they're just going to pulverize UCLA. I think UCLA is just toast. Uh, what what did they do last week, UCLA? I mean, um, I, I guess, you know, this the conventional reasoning is like maybe USC is a little bit low guard because they, they... they beat Oregon State by two touchdowns at home. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll actually take UCLA to cover that one, I guess, just because uh, neither of these teams have much tempo. Both of them have good defenses. Uh, I, I guess I expect... Uh, one but not both of Darnold and Jones to have a big game for USC but I can see UCLA slowing down either the run or the pass to the point that you know the victory is about a 10 point victory for USC okay so you like a narrow cover for UCLA something like I I guess the way that I see USC covering is something like 21 to 10 but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 20 to 10 or like 24 Uh, to uh what 17 or something like that okay all right, I'm going to go the other way on that. I, I still stand by that. I think that USC should kind of pulverize them. I think they're looking to uh, 
you know, it, we're about to get into this other game uh, that that could really decide uh, who plays or who represents the South in the Pac-12 championship. Right. Um, and they they have that win over Colorado already. Um, but speaking of Colorado, we got Washington State going to Colorado this week. Uh, Colorado four and a half point favorites. I know that we talked about this a little bit before the show. You think Colorado's got this one? I do. I I just can't. I I feel like. Washington State's offense is, you know, good, obviously, but it's it's always a sort of artificial good in, in sure. the play volume. Uh, Colorado's defense is legitimately good. Washington State seems competent, but uh, they're not, good against the run, so like that, it might be able to like hold Lindsey in check a little bit. I I like the whole Colorado offense pretty much. Not yeah, so much it is balanced. Not so much Ross and uh, Bobo this week, but I do think Fields Shea Fields has another good game. Yeah, and one of those other two receivers could as well. It's just I'm most confident in Fields. I like Lindsey, and I I like uh, Safe Oluofau a lot uh, too because. Both of these teams are so up tempo that even if you know he only averages like six and a half yards per pass, I can see him throwing like forty four times and running like twelve. Okay, so I, I think this game will be very up tempo. It might have a lot of three and outs to start, but I feel like it's one of those things where eventually it's like the defenses will just get so tired from running that many plays that eventually big plays start happening. If if only. Uh, until later in the game but basically i feel like uh the offenses are relatively close in effectiveness but the defenses are not in colorado's at home so yeah the the home the home field advantage here uh obviously at colorado is is definitely a big factor and uh colorado the like the one of the best kind of in-game matchups to watch this week is Colorado secondary against you know the Luke Falk led air raid offense of Washington State. Uh, Colorado's pass defense numbers they're allowing barely over fifty percent uh, completion percentage, five and a half yards per attempt. They've given up nine touchdowns and picked off twelve passes. I mean that that's that some good? pretty pretty scary stuff. Yeah, that all is around. that is really good. I st- I still think Falk throws probably like almost sixty passes in this. Yeah, because uh, because that's all they do. Yeah, yeah. So I like I'm not so worried about him in fantasy because like I, I bet he just throws so many passes that even if he has a t- an objectively terrible game it works out okay for his fantasy owners exactly like Gabe Marks a lot for that reason too I think River Craycraft tore his ACL he did so uh, I think Marks gets like 20 targets Tavares Martin should get a bunch of I targets. like Martin is a lot this week as well I think steps into that second receiver role for them and obviously like you said the the sheer volume of the of passes in that one uh, you know, even if Marks is getting 20, you know, he, he might still see, you know, 12 to 15. Yeah, and I, I bet Marks has something like 14 catches for like 100 yards and two or three touchdowns. A vintage Marxian performance. Yeah, a good way to, yeah, a, a, a memorable way out of the of his Pac-12 career. Very excited. I mean, th- th- this is, you know, in a, in a week of, of pretty slim pickings, this is, this is a game that I'm really, really looking forward to. Um, and then we've gotten... We've got Oklahoma uh, at West Virginia. Both of these teams trying to remind the playoff committee that they exist. I don't think that even if this game is awesome, I think it might be. I don't think it's going to be enough for either of these guys to represent uh, the Big 12. Nope, (laughs) neither of them are. Uh, We got Oklahoma three-point road favorites over under 67. I'll take West Virginia to win, but it is a total coin flip to me. I basically – like Skylar Howard is not a very good passing quarterback, but he – has enough repetitions at the college level and he's always been smart like right. he's, he's always been good about uh he somehow creates plays even though he can't throw the ball where he wants to 
so he's, he's got a lot of experience. They are in West Virginia, which is a pretty decent distance away from Oklahoma, I it guess. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I wouldn't, I think if we're, if, if one team is going to have a letdown effect, it would be more likely that it's Oklahoma beating Baylor so soundly. Maybe they're like, ah, look at us. We're great again. And it's, you're not. And right. West Virginia's defense, I think, is better than Oklahoma's. Certainly against the pass. Maybe Oklahoma's better against the run than mm-hmm. West Virginia is. But, um, yeah, I just, I like the chances. I think it's a close game either way, but I like basically, uh, West Virginia's chances of, getting a turnover or two, I guess, than I do Oklahoma. But I think there will be like probably like four turnovers in this game. I see myself waffling on this a million times between yeah, now and Saturday. Like yeah. right now I feel like Oklahoma like they, they have a little bit too many weapons uh for like West Virginia to completely slow down. I mean I think you bring up a good point with Skylar Howard. I think he really is kind of the X factor in this game because if he can take advantage of, of uh Oklahoma's terrible pass defense, which which you know, let me reiterate, it's effing terrible. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a really big factor. That's going to be the key in West Virginia winning this game if they are to do so. Um, I just have my doubts about that happening. Um, so I think that Oklahoma will be able to pull off the road win here. Uh, it's going to be close. I don't know if it – I think it might be three points right on the dot, actually. So, that makes sense. Um that's kind of how I'm leaning right now. Uh, obviously, uh, when we talk on Saturday during the radio show, I'm I'm sure I'll be like fully confident that West Virginia like kills them or something. You know, we'll we'll just kind of have to see how that plays out through the rest of the week. But right now, I'm I'm leaning Oklahoma for like the push. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I I don't feel strongly about that one either way. But I I, I guess if I'm being like honest with myself, I'm picking West Virginia just because I think Dana Holgerson is so much cooler than Stoops. God, he's a lot cooler. He made like uh, he made some comment uh, last week during the during the Texas game uh, about uh, what his team's got versus what the, what Texas has on their sideline, and it was it was awesome. It's not safe for uh, our podcast, but. Uh, if you look it up on Twitter, I did retweet uh, the exact quote, so take a look at that if you all want to. Um, but that wraps us up for uh, uh, just sort of our spread picks for the week. Uh, moving into the season-long discussion, because you know this is the playoffs right now, um, I sadly bowed out of our Roto-Wire League last week in a valiant effort, um, but I did leave Riley Ferguson on my bench. Uh, Memphis's nice. quarterback, and he had an awesome day. And then I, I played Wilton Spite on this on you know just sort of to put what my money where my mouth was as far as thinking that Michigan's offense on the passing attack was about to really take off. But broken collarbone for a quarterback tends to prevent that from happening. So he kind of laid an egg and uh, ended up losing by I think what would have uh, been a win for me had I started Ferguson in terms of the point differential between the two. Kind of bummed about that, but. Um, I don't know. Let's get into it. What do you think? So it's uh, I'm, I'm going to be referring to both your article and Nick Gray's. Nick Gray's does our waiver wire article. John does the start sit recommendations. Uh, this is this is a perhaps like an obvious one given last week, but Nick mentioned it. So I, and I agree. So I'm going to co-sign. Definitely love Rodney Adams if you're in, in looking for an AAC receiver. Uh, South Florida is 
uh, is it SMU that they're going against? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, so that's that's a that's a setting where um, I didn't end up having Quentin Flowers ranked as the number one quarterback, but it, I really wanted to because SMU's uh, ambitions of running eighty plays a game against that South Florida offense is going to result in forty plus points. I think so. Definitely like Adams. He had a huge game last week, yeah, um, and was basically the difference maker for South Florida against uh, Memphis. So uh, that that's definitely a good call. Um, I wonder if I, I'm gonna try to like bring this bring up a little a, a second or third axis rather here where I'm going by positions with the weekly rankings just so I can get yeah, at some quarterbacks idea. quick. <clears throat> Nick also mentioned uh, Jacob Parks, who's definitely a good pick, I think. Iowa State's going against uh, Texas Tech and Park Parks, whatever it is. Park. Yeah, it was like splitting, splitting snaps with Joel Lanning for a long time, and that appears to no longer be the case. So he's going to get a lot of work against the Texas Tech defense that will give up points to anybody. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a cheap way to get some quarterback production. Another quarterback that I like for cheap is uh, New Mexico State's Tyler Rogers going against Texas State. Like Tyler Rogers is bad, but they both like they run a lot of plays at New Mexico State, have a really bad defense. So maybe even Texas State's hopeful or hopeless offense can get some points in that one and, you know, create the, the uh, a slight shootout against texas texas state's defense is so bad so i think rogers can get a production on the ground as well as through the air i think so too and going back to that iowa state game quick uh david montgomery uh i'm not sure or i'm just not sold that mike warren is going to be completely healthy the rest of the way and like you said uh matchup against texas tech is always a good thing to to load up against so david montgomery had really nice game last week against Kansas. I know that it's Kansas, uh, 24 carries for 169 yards, but Kansas has a slightly less terrible run defense than Texas Tech does. So I think if, if we see Montgomery touch like the 20 uh, carry threshold, I think he ha- he's definitely in line for, for a huge game again, even if Warren sees like a slight uptick in carries. Yeah, that's a good call. I haven't uh, kind of lost track of what was going on in that uh... – yeah, so yeah, David Montgomery right. should be in the lead there, and yeah, somebody's going to run on Texas Tech. If he's the lead ball carrier, then yeah, it almost has to be him. Right. Um, yeah, don't even, sorry, don't even know who David Montgomery is. It's all right, um, he's a freshman. So. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, looking at looking at running back real quick, I guess I should also mention, uh, before we move on from quarter, or, uh, I, I, I do like Saifa Luafau a lot against Washington State. He was not in demand in any of the leagues I was in this year, but uh, I think he should have a season high in usage in this game um running back if anybody dropped benny snell definitely fire him up this week uh, are they going against awesome p something like that awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's gonna get like 30 carries against some fcs team so he's gonna score two or three times uh, i saw some people losing the faith on nick chubb i think he torches louisiana lafayette this week I hope uh, so. they've got they've got good numbers at a glance but they haven't played anybody and um I, i'm pretty sure this is going to be his best game since week one not like 200 yards good but i i'm expecting something like 150 and two touchdowns i could see like a you know like first play from scrimmage 80 yard touchdown run or something like that uh georgia's also i think they're breaking out the black jerseys this week for the first time since they got rolled by alabama in 2008 hmm. um so that should be interesting I, I thought that they would always kind of save that for a big game but this i is, guess this a, is the Super a Bowl. noon game against louisiana lafayette that's only going to be on like sec networks like extra channel uh i guess that that was worthy of of breaking out the black jerseys sec's oh public God. access channel <laughs> yeah. um 
But yeah, uh, if another running back who might be under the radar, uh, I, I gotta find. I haven't been able to find out Diosimi Saint Justa or whatever from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt, and if he's out again, Paul Harris, I think, should. Uh, I can't remember who Hawaii is even playing this week, but Paul Harris is the best running. They have back. a better. They have a much better matchup this week than they did against Boise State last week. Yeah, I think it and, might be Nevada or something. Yeah, something like or Fresno that. State. Sorry, Fresno. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresno's uh, a mess right now. Uh, they obviously fired their coach a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Uh, but Paul Harris was a really good runner last year, yep. and the new coach, Nick Rolovich, just benched him for no stated reason every time. Well, they Harris... took all the benches off the sideline last week, so they didn't bench him. The, did, sorry, you see the that... cli- did you see the clip? They were getting embarrassed so bad that they took, like he had the equipment staff take the benches off the sidelines. Oh, wow. <laughs> Made them go to church. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, man. Uh, that's yeah wow that's gonna make them a good team now yep but uh, paul harris is good though so if saint just or whatever his name is is out of the way i think i think harris runs wild so that's something that's a little bit uh conditional but if if there is some confirmation or even suspicion of saint just sitting out like harris a lot and he's probably available everywhere because like he's that. been a huge disappointment due to that benching obviously um but yeah i'm trying to go to receiver here if my internet starts working again and um if okay yeah so uh texas tech iowa state has more for us if if alan lazard was available anywhere uh, i would pick him up he's number eight at receiver for me this week ahead of guys like marks and dd westbrook and even cody thompson uh one one big loophole you could take advantage of this week if he's still out there samajie grant at arizona is playing running back for them Oh, that's right and uh i can't even remember who they play but it's somebody that they should be able to run on if uh I bring up that page again, um, but yeah, Smajay Grant's been doing good on the ground. It the, doesn't. They're they're playing much. Oregon State. Okay, so yeah, they're definitely run on them. Yeah, Can't they're throw good against the pass, well. bad against the run. So Arizona should uh, maybe Dawkins has a big game in that one too, but that one's a risky because they do that rotation with Solomon it's, that it's has been ill fated. Yeah, I don't know sense. what happened to them. Like they, you know, they were in a FCS or a like a FBS, you know, New Year's Six type of bowl like two years ago, and now they're just. Uh, I don't know. They're just an absolute mess uh, all across the board. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what happened. I think it's like basically they're trying to run an offense that doesn't have either quarterback skill set built for it. Like they want someone who can you know, pass a little bit and run a lot. Solomon is pass a little bit, run not much. Mm-hmm. Dawkins is don't throw much, run a lot, and they're trying to like do a rotation with them, and it's not a good idea. I think uh, they're really thinned out on defense too. Like completely. they're thinned out everywhere. Yeah. They have no players. It's ugly. They're down to, like Samaje Grand is like their fifth running back. They're starting like a fifteen year old at quarterback at one point. Oh, that's Tate illegal. or whatever. Yeah. Um <laughs> but uh um other receivers that might be available that might do well this week, Steven Sims at Kansas uh, I think Dante Foreman's going to run for like 500 yards, and they're all going to be 80-yard touchdowns. So there should be a lot of garbage time for Kansas to throw. And Sims has done actually quite well this year. Uh, Wyatt Dempsey at Nevada. I can't remember who they're playing, but uh, they've they've gone more pass-happy since their last quarterback got hurt. And uh, Dempsey has been stepping up as their lead receiver. They're hosting Utah State. Okay, Utah State. So that's that's not a great matchup, but he's in a, in a thinned-out wide receiver supply this week. Uh, he comes in at 30 for me. Otherwise, uh, 
Not much as far as like under the radar types. It's just kind of a lot of guys have bad matchups this week. Did you make anything of that guy that just sort of came out of nowhere last week? Uh, his name's Thomas Kufi uh, from Louisiana Monroe. Oh, that, right. that ran. They had 31 carries for 201 yards and five touchdowns last week against Georgia State. Well, anyone can do that. Yes, exactly. Uh, but not, it not, seems like yeah. No, he's got to be good because they've had other running backs playing all year, and all of them yep. just failed miserably. Yeah, it looks he's, like Ben Luckett is you know on his way out. Yeah. So uh, they're playing App State, which makes it look like a tough matchup. Yeah. I still think if he, I mean, if Louisiana Monroe just wants to run the ball, which I mean, they probably don't want to throw it, um, even in this setting where App State will probably build up a pretty nice lead on him. I could see Koofy still getting 20, 25 carries this week, you know, just on the strength of what he was able to do last week. And Yeah, the only way Monroe can probably keep any dignity intact is if they just give him the ball every play and just accept that they're going to lose by 21-plus rather yeah. than throwing the ball and making it 42. Uh, but I, I don't know. He's ranked for me somewhere this week. I just didn't have him particularly high due to the matchup like Appalachian State's uh, I'm, so whoever that guy was that got mad at how I pronounced Appalachian State, I'm sorry, there's an I and an A and an N. That That's E-N, not in. <laughs> I can't help it. It's Appalachian State. They're allowing uh, 3.3 yards per carry, uh, mm. or sorry, 3.0 yards per carry uh, versus conference opponents in uh, six games. So that, that what is his name again? Uh, Thomas Koofy. Koofy. Yeah, he, he might be really good. He's definitely the best running back they've had there in a long time, but yes. uh, this is about as bad of a matchup as he could get, so he's kind of like a desperation flex type to me. I think so, too. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Um, I think Nick Fitzgerald, yeah, circling oh, yeah. back to quarterbacks quick, um, going against Arkansas, I think we, we've banged the drum for about a month, month and a half now that Arkansas – is bad at stopping the run, and obviously that's what where Fitzgerald kind of uh, can really sting you. Especially, it seems like his, his, like all of his really huge games have been at home this year. And I think that this is another scenario where you know, obviously, coming off a, a like a just getting beat up against Alabama, I think he's going to be fine this week. I think he's going to have a huge game. I think you know this is one of the few SEC on SEC matchups this week. But I still wouldn't be worried about using Nick Fitzgerald if you got him. Yeah, I agree. He's he's pretty highly ranked for me this week. I can't. Um, I think, I think, I think fourteen. Like 14. Yeah. yeah, fourteen, just behind Browning, ahead of Baker Mayfield. So yeah, I, I definitely like Fitzgerald. I, I uh, yeah, I should have mentioned him before because he's got like three rushing touchdown upside in that one. Yes. Otherwise, uh, not much for you guys as far as season long. I guess like we already know all the tight ends. Uh, I like Hayden Hurst a bit this week. I can't remember who South Carolina has, but it must be somebody kind of weak if I was liking that one, um, if they're on that. Uh, they got Western tour. Western Carolina. Okay, yeah. So I like I like Bentley to have one, a pretty nice game, which means all of Samuel Edwards Hurst can get going. So maybe that's an under-the-radar tight end you could look toward if you're hurting. But otherwise, I guess if you're in the playoffs this long, you've got a routine pretty well figured out. Um, and, yeah, good luck to everybody who's made it that far. Yes, absolutely. And uh, oh yeah, going back to Benny Snow pick, uh, Austin P. Not only is it an FCS team, but they're zero and ten. Oh, nice. Uh, speaking okay, if we're taking into the FC, FCS teams into account real quickly, uh, don't worry if you're, you're looking at Trubisky or Bug Howard or Switzer this week. Like, don't worry about them having a halftime blowout so much. Yeah, uh, I bet they play Citadel's the ten and zero. 
Right. Yeah, they are. The Citadel is ten and zero, and even in that, they played uh, James Madison earlier this year, and Trubisky still had like three hundred and fifty yards and four or five uh, touchdowns. Yeah. So, uh, Fedora's mad that he's been behind the chains so long, and he's going to take it out on the Citadel. So, I bet you see Trubisky play like pretty close to four quarters. Nice. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good call. I definitely that that game might uh, make North Carolina sweat a little bit more than you you might think you they would for it. Just sort of a scheduled. Uh, just beat down yeah. type of deal. So I, I like Bug Howard and Switzer this week too. Yeah, those guys are always great. So uh, with that, that wraps up our Week 12 uh, Rotowire College Football Podcast brought to you by Fan Clash. We will talk to you again next week. I'm John McKechnie. That's Mario Puig. Uh, see you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.